right? One of me is like, it's gonna hurt and it's not gonna be pleasant. I'm like, hmm. And it's okay. inside her and it's his and he's gotta take a bath. I mean, I'm sorry, okay? My adult brain sees sexual subtext in very unfortunate places sometimes. <laughs> to another episode of Romancing the Monsters. I'm Em. I'm Seth. And today we are discussing Lake's Edge by Lyndall Clipstone. It is her debut novel. Um, it, as you're listening to this, it um, is now out. It's now out in the world uh, as of September 28th. Uh, but we are recording this in the past uh, because full disclosure, we were giving a, given an arc of this novel, uh, not necessarily for a review, but uh, here we are. We were already planning to read this book for the podcast because it fits all the boxes that we like, you know. Um, oh so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, so it worked out. Um, but yeah, important to disclose those things. But thoughts and opinions are our own. Our own, exactly. Yes. Um, fair warning beforehand, there are some trigger warnings in here, um, mentions of suicide or attempted suicide, death, drowning, um, self-harm, uh, there's a lot of, uh, touchy subjects in this, so just be warned that we will be mentioning or talking about a few of them. Yes. Um, yeah. Also, if you are in the UK, we are aware that this book is releasing in October for you, which is sad, but, uh... You know, just skip on this episode because it will be spoiler heavy, and then you can come back when you once you've read the book. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. Steph, let's jump yes. into it. What is this book oh, about? Okay. So <laughs> this book is a gothic romance, and uh, we start off with Letta Violetta, um, is her full name, and she and her brother Arian. How would you say that? Is it Arian? Arian. I was saying Arian. Arian. Um, her brother Arian has uh, magic, and it's it's the darkness basically. And um, he gets nightmares, and his, their adoptive mother, both their parents had died previously. Um, she doesn't accept that he has this darkness within him, and she doesn't want him to have that at all. So she pulls him to a shrine or an altar, sorry, and tries to burn away the magic that leaves like residue on his fingers and his hands. Um, and tries to get him to pray away the darkness that he has within him. Um, and she kind of gets him to let go of his magic by making his sister, Letta, kneel on broken glass at the altar. And um, she obviously gets injured there because the glass is embedded into her skin. Um, and so we find out early on that their adoptive mother isn't accepting and loving and caring towards them. And, um, Arian really wants to escape and run away, and that opportunity kind of arises in, uh, the form of Rowan, who is the, who's known as the monster of Lake's Edge, 
um, because he had murdered his whole family, or it was perceived that he murdered his mother, his father. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Um, his mother, his father, and his brother as well. Um, it's just uh, perceived that uh, he drowned them all. And he does not deny it at first, anyway. No, he does not. And <laughs> he's there to gather the uh, tithe. And he witnesses um, Arian's magic and everything that happened in this forest. And, like, his magic was just, go- just going bonkers. And um, Rowan was like, oh, damn, okay, I need this guy. So he goes to their house and they, like, they go back home and then they see him. And he's like, I'm taking Arian. And Letta obviously isn't, like, loves her brother and doesn't want him to be hurt or – because she knows of the rumors of Rowan. And so she kind of forces herself to go as well. Um, and then they find out uh, that Rowan actually wants Arian to work with uh, another alchemist named Clover to get rid of the corruption that lives within the lake. So his estate is right by the lake. That's all like black and like the mud is even like, like you just feel the bad juju. Yeah. And um, Bad juju. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And that's where his family was drowned. And, um, yeah, so that's the reason why he wants Arian there. And Letta was like, okay, uh, my brother better not die. Better not get hurt. And she's just overprotective for her, like, uh, like with her brother. They try to destroy the corruption, and it doesn't work the first time. And instead, it attacks them. And we kind of see Rowan having to give his blood as a tithe to uh, calm it down. And that would just mean slitting his arm and, like, giving his blood away. And during that time, we, obviously, we know beforehand that he has, like, uh, black veins all over. And then Letta actually sees the veins getting more prominent. And, like, he seems to be losing himself a bit. His eyes change and his teeth become sharper. And we know that something's going on with this corruption and Rowan. Letta's also getting really intense dreams of drowning and whispers of her name and she doesn't know what they mean but for some reason they lead her out uh, of the house the mansion and she sees Rowan at the edge of the water and she sees him give blood and there's obviously the corruption isn't attacking anyone at this point and then she realizes it's like an offering we kind of figured out at this point that she also has magic of her own and it's just a little smidgen of magic and she gets she's like halfway through the book at this point (laughs) No, 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 I'm Steph not. Is, this is like Steph still... is recounting the whole book. <laughs> no, I'm not. But like this sets up the rest, okay? okay. And then I'm done. Because you just want to talk about a certain someone. I okay. No, I sadly I won't even mention him in this recap. But we'll we'll get to him. Fine. Anyways, she removes the grip of corruption with her own magic that it has on Rowan, and Rowan is confused because she said from the get go that she didn't have magic, and we kind of find out after their heart to heart or during the heart-to-heart, actually, that she did have magic. But when she, after her parents died, her and her brother didn't really have a home and they were living basically in the forest. And they were supposed to die in the fire that actually destroyed their whole village because of the sickness that was there and the sickness that had killed her family, I believe. Um, And so she gave up her magic in exchange for her brother's life. And we find out that maybe... Um, there's a chance of her getting it back for one night only uh, to destroy the corruption. And Oh, how hard it is in your eyes. I can see it in your eyes how hard it is not to mention him. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, I just like, 
The man we are talking about is Lord Under, okay? <laughs> and he is fine. <laughs> he is. He is. But you know what? You and I, Saf, are going to have to control ourselves and we are not going to mention him yet. Okay? We uh, need to give, give everyone else that comes before yeah, a chance. I agree. Because okay. we're just going to dissolve into Lord Under fangirls. Okay. So, what did you think of this book? How did you like it? I mean, like, I don't know if it's any surprise, but I loved it. <laughs> like, I honestly, I loved everything beginning to front and in between. I loved it all. I think the characters are really well written and, like, well developed. The story progressed really well, and it still left me, it's still in my head days after I've read it. And I want to live in that world again. I want to revisit these characters. I want to just be there with these characters because I felt like they left a really big impact on me. I will say um, just the beginning of the story kind of like it was just a bit challenging for me to get into it but once I got into it like I would say chapter three I would say like around chapter three I was more like I was invested and I was like really into the book. Yeah, I mean, I would say about the same for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't read gothic romance all that often, but um, mm-hmm. I think it was really, really well done here where, at least for me, what gothic romance means is like, essentially, you have nature, the dreamscape, and then reality, and all those things kind of blur together. The lines become yeah. so incredibly thin that Sometimes your dreams are impacting reality, reality is impacting your dreams, and so on and so forth, and nature is kind of uh, reflecting the characters' own uh, emotional journey, so, like, when they are angry, usually nature is, like, you know, angry as well, and so on and so forth, so obviously here there's a lot of pain in this novel, and especially on Rowan's part, and that's reflected in, like, the lake and, you know, the anger and the monster under his skin and everything. So I really, really loved that aspect of it. It's so atmospheric. Um, You know, like, every time there was a new scene, Lindahl, I don't, like, I don't know if it was on purpose. I'm guessing it probably was, but it's like all the senses were covered. Like you knew what it was smelling like, you know, you knew what it looked like, you know what it felt like on, you know, your fingers, you knew, like you knew everything. And that for me really sets the scene where you feel really immersed into what's going on to the point where you don't even realize how much the characters don't really have as much inner dialogue as we're used to. You know, like the characters don't need to tell you, here's what I'm feeling right now. Here's what I'd like to do. Here's this, here's that. Because everything else around them, every element of their environment is transpiring what it is that they want or what it is that they're feeling in that moment. So you don't need them to tell you. Another aspect that I thought was really interesting was obviously, I mean, we talk about like, it's kind of known that like all narrators are unreliable. Yeah. But um, Letta here was especially unreliable because she was truly actually lying to the readers, at least in the beginning. Like, I really wasn't expecting that. Like, at first I was like, oh, yeah. it's kind of cool that it's her brother that has the magic and she doesn't. And yet, like, it was still interesting, like, even as a story where she didn't have the magic. And yet, obviously, as you said, like, later on, we realized that, no, she did have magic, but she didn't tell anyone, including us. Exactly. And I liked that aspect. Yeah, I really did too. I really liked that we found out important points with the characters. Yeah. 
so so anyway and i mean obviously we do love a good monster on this podcast um you know um, yeah and there were plenty of them in this book <laughs> so you know all kinds of monsters uh you know sweet soft emo boy who thinks he's a villain to uh you know proper death lord characters that we will not mention <laughs> who could really 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 uh get it <laughs> Yeah, I mean they could both get it. You know what I mean? Like no, yes, this, exactly. I don't want to talk about Lord Under too much right now because I do feel like Rowan is a main character in the story, and I yes, do want to course. talk about him because I do love him and I do think he deserves happiness, and I do want him to find it. Oh, a hundred percent agree. So, do you want to talk about Rowan? Yeah, let's talk about Rowan. I thought like his character was a great one and I loved how he developed as a character and became more confident in himself as the story progressed. But I also thought it was really interesting like how closed off and cold he was and like that didn't really deter Letta at all in terms of like I guess seeking him out for conversation or even just to like ensure that she was there with her brother. Like she never let his coldness or like even the I guess the rumor that he killed his family really stopped her from, like, pursuing anything with him. Like, not, like, relationship-wise, but, like, getting to know him. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was interesting. I just love that he he had, like, all the lines where it's, like, I, yeah, like, you're the last person I would want to. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure, Rowan. <laughs> and, no, my favorite was, like, you're you're no one or something. And I was, oh, like. Oh, yes, he Ugh! does say that. You're, you're no did. one. And I was like, okay, Mr. Ben Solo 2.0. She's going to become your everything, mister. <laughs> yeah. They also had like a you're not al alone line. And I was like, okay, Lindell, I see what you're doing. I know, I see your Raylo. <laughs> <laughs> I also loved his ear piercings. He had a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Loved mm -hmm. it. Yes, absolutely. Long black hair. You know, he wears a cloak a lot. We love a cloak. We love a good cloak. Um... But I, I, I really liked his um, emotional journey. I, I think that both him and Letta, the thing that they connect mo most on is, A, their desire to protect the ones that they love. Yeah. But also, like, the fact that they, if that means putting themselves in the line of fire, that they will do it. Which, you know, is kind of, it's it can be a bit annoying at times. Um, just because you're like, you don't, you, you, you don't need to sacrifice yourself every single time. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> um, but you, you get it. Like you understand why they're the way that they are. Um, and I think both of them needed to learn to accept help, which is not yeah, an easy thing to do. You know, as I'm someone who has a very difficult time accepting help, um, so, you know, sometimes it's it doesn't it's, it doesn't have to be like, oh, my God, a life or death situation. Sometimes like it's just little things like, yeah, I I need to learn how to say, yes, I need help. Can you can you help me? I did like that aspect. And they were so similar as characters. Like they were kind of like mirrors of each other Absolutely. and like their experiences mirrored each other's. And I liked how like Letta saw what happened with him and his family and kind of mm. learned from that but also like she couldn't help it and kind of made the same choice in the sense where so basically um the whole um plot with his family uh Rowan when he was a child he actually had died and 
he was, or, or I guess on the cups, cusp of dying, sorry. And then um, he promises Lord Ender um, anything um, and not really knowing what that would entail and what that would mean for him. He was five years old. Like, that. Five. no one ever points that out in the book. And I kept thinking, he was five years old. What do you expect him to do? I know. It was really sad. Little Bubby at that point. Like, of course he's going to see a grown-ass man and say, yeah, anything. I just want to go back home. I know. It was really sad. Like, it was heartbreaking because he comes back, obviously, and um, he doesn't know. He grows up. He turns 13. Yeah. And then Lord Ender comes back for him. And Lord Ender's like, all right, you've had your childhood. Now it's time for you to come with me. And then Rowan was like, uh-uh, that's not happening. And then his dad ends up dead from the lake. He drowned in the lake. And then his mother, a few years later, ended up in the lake and she drowned. And then Rowan kind of picked up what was going on. He realized his anything was his family dying. And so um, he tried all, like everything he could to keep his brother Elaine or Elan to, you know, not die, not go and drown in the water. But inevitably, his brother does die. Um, and so he loses his whole family to this Lord Under, and also the corruption starts like forming and growing and becoming something larger than himself. And so Letta sees that, and she like understands that you know, poor guy didn't really stand a chance there. He didn't really know, like you said, he was only five. Um, and then I don't even know how to go about this. But then she decides. I don't know. Do you want to ex- explain that yet? Uh, no, but I was going to say that, um, and then you could also, like, blame death or Lord Under and be like, you know, because those are synonyms in this case. (laughs) Um, and you could say, like, oh, well, like, you took advantage of a child or whatever. But the truth is, I mean, I think he's just a metaphor for death in general. And death is unfair to everyone and treats everyone equally. There was nothing he could do. He had to do what he had to do, you know, and he did give Rowan a couple more lives of a couple more years of his life. So exactly. And like you said, death isn't fair. And you just like you don't even know when it's coming. And in this case, Rowan cheated death twice. And also like Lord Death or sorry, Lord Under, (laughs) he doesn't really. (laughs) We should probably explain why we keep, you know, making that mistake. (laughs) All right, so we early on in the podcast, we did an episode on Katora and Lord Death by Martine Levitt. Amazing book. Uh, it was, an, yeah, amazing book. Highly recommend you read that book if you haven't already. Also, go listen to our episode if you would like. Yes, um, it was a great one. Us lusting over another death. Lord of character. Death again. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so that's where that's from. But I don't know where I was going with this. What was well, I, what where was we it? were going is that um, there are, similar themes in both both of these yeah. books and also similar journeys i find for letta and Keturah in the sense that Keturah's journey is all about she's scared of death at first mm-hmm. um she's scared of it she doesn't want to acknowledge it etc and her whole journey is about learning to fall in love with death you know that's that's her journey she falls in love with death oh you are winking my way <laughs> We are so horny for the death. We need to stop. I know. What does it say about our like our, our taste in men, though? What is this? We love Hades. We love Lord Death. We love Lord Under. What is wrong with us? Why are we so in love with death? That is a question for another day. 
Um, but so the journeys are very similar because and I don't know if you will agree with me on, on this, but um, for me, Leta's journey was also a journey of acceptance, but not necessarily mm-hmm. of death, but more so of power and her fear of power, which has uh, is something that um, she's carried with her her whole life. So and obviously in both cases that journey involves a character who has all of that (laughs) you know so lord under is power and lord death is um death (laughs) exactly sorry i was just like envisioning my man i mean our man yeah you better not make that mistake bitch Hey, shut up, actually. I claimed him, and he's mine, but I'm willing to share him with you. We can share him. Because in that case, if we follow that logic, then you can have Lord Under, but I get Lord Death, because I knew him first. I never said I claimed him because I knew him first. I just said well, I claimed him. you just said you him. claimed him. Well, I claimed Lord Death first. That doesn't work. Okay, we're not doing this, <laughs> because it's going to take a whole two hours of us just Fine. fighting um anyways yes okay so back to this conversation of letta and her fear of power i think for me in the book it starts with um her brother's power and there's something really interesting where every time it's mentioned she refuses to acknowledge that it's his to her it's like no it's dreams it's not real power he's he doesn't have this like shadow thing inside of him and arian feels that he knows that like and it's affecting his sister is afraid of his power yeah and so he doesn't acknowledge that it's his either yeah even though he knows it is and obviously once they go to uh lord under once they go to uh rowan's um manor or whatever i don't know what i guess his estate his estate um that's when arian kind of really flourishes into what he's meant to be and he for the first time he feels like he can be free to use his power and not be afraid of them and learn how to use them and everything and let us sort of sees that and she sees that she's been in part responsible for her brother sort of smothering that side of himself for years and years and years obviously there was also the fact that um their mother well stepmother whatever was highly highly um superstitious and i i think that uh superstitions are kind of something that are carried throughout the novel of like Fearing what you don't know or don't understand, which again plays a part into Letta's own uh, journey, personal journey. Can I throw a little theory out there and see if you... um... All right, let's see it. Let's hear it. Do you see... Lord Under is hot? Yeah. Yes, but do you see the Hades and Persephone of it all? The pomegranate? Yes. Pomegranates. I was like, (laughs) is this supposed to be subtle? (laughs) It was not... (laughs) <laughs> um excuse me so so letta uses pomegranates to summon lord under which i was like hello persephone is that like a known thing is that like something like you know if you want to summon lord under you got to use a pomegranate well no what i was wondering was like am i missing something and it's just like she just googled it and like people actually do i like i don't fucking know but i was like or or was she really trying to like wink wink at persephone Hades and Persephone 
Yeah, I don't and know. Be like, I'm ready to be your Persephone. But it doesn't stop there because Leta's powers can make things grow. Like she loves to use her powers to make flowers and trees and stuff like that. I was like, hello, Persephone. That is a point I have to talk about. Well, talk yeah. about it. Go. No, I'm just saying, like, the little nods Persephone and, like, obviously Hades is, like, it's so telling and just right mm-hmm. in your face. And mm-hmm. I'm just, and the way the book ends, it kind of seems like, you know, maybe we might be going in that way. We don't know. We don't. I mean, I was, at that point, I was fully expecting him to be like, okay, fine, you can go back, but you're going to come back every six months. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wish. ready. I was waiting for it. Um, also, um... You know, one thing about Keturah and Lord Death, which I don't want us to keep on comparing them, but... Yeah, of course. Um, they're both great books, and if you like one, you'll love the other. Um, and one thing about that book was that it was low-key horny. This book is also low-key horny. Like, it, it gives you those vibes, um, including a scene in which... Um, cause the we just same talk- scene with the pomegranate. Is that what you're going to Yes, re- in which um, okay. he... So, Lord Under literally uses his claw and then, like, licks the juices off of her pomegranate. And that sounds lurid. And, um, and then he also... Her blood. He also... I don't know if it's on it the knife off. or on the pomegranate. He licks it off. And, mm. like, she hears him swallow. Mm. It's... Mm. <laughs> I know. I needed a moment. Um. So when the horny is not so low-key, actually. Um, no, yeah. it's not. I'm not complaining. I, I enjoyed that. I'm not complaining either. I mean, I-, I wanted to talk to you about this, actually. Because... So, Letta is 17 years old. Um, and I, I really appreciated that she was allowed to be viewed as someone to be desired and someone who can feel desire and act on it despite her age. Because I do think there's a very like, what's the word, Puritan thing going on with YA where it's like, ew, you know, it's disgusting to make teenagers kiss and everything. Like, it, some people will even say, like, oh, it feels wrong. Like, I'm watching my kids or I'm being a pervert or whatever. And I'm just like, no, because imagine the 17-year-old girl who reads that and is, like, feels empowered by it, you know, and feels yeah. like, feels like, yeah, like, I'm, I should be allowed to feel those things, and, like, it's okay, and it's normal, and, you know, and I think the letter finds that connection in, in the act itself, and, like, it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not, like, overly descriptive or anything, but it is, like, you know, on page, and then it sort of fades to black-ish, uh, well, I mean, no, definitely fades to black. No, it's, it's, it's there. <laughs> but, you know, you get a good chunk before the actual act of, like, you know, where it's... it's... Exactly. And nothing's really described lewdly or, like, vulgar or... It's graceful in how it's portrayed, but also, like, she, you know, she has desires and they are on page and she's allowed yeah. to feel them and there's no shame in it and she feels a connection and, empower- and empowerment in the act and with Rowan and and she initiates all of it basically. she initiates and all of it and is very consensual you know yeah you and I, I like permission that before touching everything and anything mm-hmm. so Rowan is a sweet boy and talking about Rowan as well I feel like it was a not even a blink and you'll miss it he does talk about it he is bisexual he is yes and yes. I loved that and I love that you know it was it was in the book and I love that it was talked about and like 
it wasn't treated as anything, you know, different. It was just like, oh, yeah, I liked this one boy. Didn't go anywhere, obviously, because Lord Under came. But, like, (laughs) sorry, never mind. My mind went somewhere. Anyways, and then, yeah, that's all that happened. And then they talked about it. And then... Yeah. I like that. I do feel like in some books, it's like they want you to notice the character so much, you know, the LGBT character so much that they're like, look, 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 he's right exactly. there. He's right there. And you're like, okay, my God, he's just a normal fucking human being. You don't need yeah. to point it out so much. So in, in this book, I liked how it was done for all the characters. Like, it was never so in your face that you're yeah, like, oh, my Clover. God. Like, can you yeah. start- yes. And also her brother. Her brother says he prefers boys, which is like, yes, it's just yes. mentioned and then never again, because would you know, they are normal human beings and it's, they shouldn't be like, you know. Yeah, that's just what it is. Yes. I just, I love that it wasn't like they, they stuck out, you know, which I find is what happens a lot when they just want them to be so obvious. Okay. Since we're still talking about like personal growth and like just characters on their journey in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the the scene where uh, Letta stole the key that was in Rowan's room, and then we find out later on it opens a garden, and once they go into that garden, both of them, it's kind of like they open the key to, like, I guess, conversation and having meaningful communication. He gives her a key to a garden. Like, the Persephone of it all just keeps on... It keeps on growing keeps and growing. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a pun? Pun, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> for once i intended for there to be a pun <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> i'm so proud of myself but yes anyway so that's when rowan decides to share more about his yes. past and like his situation and that's where they also have their first kiss yeah in the garden once they've you know unlocked their hearts and like shared things about their past that they didn't tell anyone um and i liked that i thought that was a really good like little metaphor I loved all of their interactions, Rowan and yeah, Lana. Yeah, Rowan like, is a great guy. I don't think that this book is is gothic fantasy. This book is gothic romance. Like it, it's it's a romance with fantasy elements, and not like yeah. a fantasy with heavy on the romance elements for sure. Heavy. Um, you know, I think almost every scene has Rowan and Letta together, like doing something or like and. and I love that. Like, I just, I, I do love their relationship. I, like, I, I'm, I'm torn. Okay, I, I, I finished this book being really torn <laughs> on what it is I want. I mean, I know what I want for myself, but for Letta, I'm like, I'm torn. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think Rowan was a great character, and like we said before, his growth as a character, like as a person, and like the way he's just become like this great man that like is so patient, so kind, and like. He's struggling, but he's getting better. And, like, he's overcoming a lot of his traumas. His but, like, obviously guilt. they're still there. Um, Because he has, like, heavy guilt, like you said. Like, yes. he just has so much guilt. His family died in his mind because of him. It's only because Lord Under never really gave him all the information or, like, actually told him what was going to happen. And that kind of comes into play later on with him and Letta as well. And she doesn't know what she's getting herself into, despite Lord Under knowing everything Hmm. um, and knowing how it's going to play out. And it's not either of their faults. Yeah. And 
for Rowan to be like, it's easier for them to believe me a monster type of thing than yeah, like. Yeah, because he knows eventually he will become one. Well, he does. He'll be consumed by the corruption. He's like, yeah. I might as well not have anyone around me. I don't want to hurt anyone and let them continue believing that I killed my family because I believe it too. Which monster Rowan, kind of hot, not going to lie, murderous as hell, but into it monster rowan was so hot i'm sorry but like when they were kissing when they were kissing uh, no, the fangs the blood i was here for marge. it marge i was here for it did. you don't need to look at me dead. like that i was here for it <laughs> <laughs> so should we get into the monster of the story maybe sure i don't know because it just feels like a good place considering yeah no okay let's go into the monster and then i also wanted to talk about um other things but let's do the monster first so marge what do you think the monster of the story is okay so i think there's a lot <laughs> in this yeah book, there in this yeah. book um well first of all i kind of mentioned it but the superstitions and how they make their way into communities and the result is often someone gets shunned or um ostracized um and depicted as a monster as a result yeah. because they are different uh, or people don't understand them or so obviously there was that and that you know had an impact on several characters in this book i also think obviously a, a huge one for well probably for both letta and rowan was guilt <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they blame themselves for everything and like uh, a small one, which I want to say ahead of time that, like, again, I do not blame the characters for making the decisions that they've made, but this idea of self-sacrifice, always self-sacrifice. Yeah. And I feel like Arian has a really good moment in this book where Leta is about to once again sacrifice herself for him to protect him. And mm -hmm. he tells her something like, if you just give me a moment, maybe I can find it. Um, yeah, so Arian says, you and Rowan are both so determined to throw your, your lives away. Look at what yeah. he's done, trying to fight this corruption on his own. He's poisoned himself. He's made himself into a monster. And you, blah, blah, blah you did this. Um, and then she says, what else was I supposed to do? And he says, you didn't even think, Letta. You act like my only choice is to stay back, that it doesn't matter if you're hurt because I'll be safe. You're my sister. I want you to be safe, too. And it's like, I find that in this whole, like, culture of self-sacrificing and, like, you must do the best thing for the people that you love. And if that means dying, then you die. Yeah. I think that Arian is pointing something really important here, which is... Do you realize that in doing so, you are asking those same people that you love and want to protect to live a life without you? Yeah. You're forcing them to live your, their lives without you in it. And that's what yeah. you're imposing on them by making that choice. And you are not giving them a choice to, to help or to choose differently and say, listen, I don't want you to sacrifice yourself for me because whether you want it or not, that does leave something with those people they know that the, that person self-sacrificed themselves for them for like, them i, I would want to live with that would you want to yeah live and you're that? projecting that guilt on them yes. as well that yes. you are like being bogged down by the guilt is just going to shift place you know yeah exactly 
it doesn't necessarily stop there though because um we find out later on that um she decides to take lord under's bargain and that is to have the power for the night to stop the corruption and she decides to sacrifice her only happy memory she has True. which is with her family yeah and also a place beside them in the afterlife and she's even giving up spending her like life in death with arian too because she's like i won't i will be alone in death and they don't even know that. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I won't have you, but Arian won't have you either. You know, like exactly. it goes both ways. Like it's kind of like people forget that it goes both both ways, and that ju- just because you are losing someone, they are losing someone too. Yeah, and it's like the book ends with Arian not even knowing what she's given up. True. And I mean, I'm guessing that's going to be addressed in book two, probably. Probably. But it's like, even in death, she doesn't even get the peace of being with her family that died so young in her life. And mm-hmm. she made that choice to save everyone else. And the savior complex is just, uh, is really heavy and strong with uh, Letta. And even Rowan, like you mentioned as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's hard. Like, the way they live their life and, like, the, the way their guilt formed into having this, I guess, self-sacrifice or savior complex is just, like, it's just so hard to read about. But it's like you see where they're coming from and you kind of understand their intentions. Yeah, and I understand that, like, the benefits usually outweigh the, you know, negatives that might come with it and in the moment, you know, like, it's it's a yeah. very, like, in-the-moment thing. Like, you have to act, you have to do something, and so you're like, I, I'm a die. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What are... what are Mine... Um. So I had your... I labeled it as their savior complex. Um... But um, I have another one that's more, like, on the nose, I guess. Uh, It's Lord Under and his lack of humanity or, like, empathy. Um, And I feel like that's just a given because he is the Death Lord. Like, he is not supposed to have, like, emotions and things like that because he's doing a a task that's very, you know, it's just, like, it's unfair. It's an unfair task to put on someone. And, like, he isn't human. He's never portrayed as such. He's known as, like, having fangs and, like, multiple eyes and... Shocking, I liked that with him, but I, I loved all about him. And two set, two sets of teeth, like two mouths. Yeah. Like superimposed, and then one of them sort of fade, fades out. Yeah. And he also has, like, multiple eyes. Like, when he's in his, like, I guess his god form, you see it. But then when he's just, you know, what he looks like to Letta, he doesn't have it. Um, but he doesn't even blink an eye when... You know, he had no, like, when Letta was like, okay, you can have my memories of my family. And she's crying and sobbing. And he's like, all right, I'll take them. Like, he just doesn't have that that human emotion that, you know, that would allow him to feel anything for that. And why would he? He's a god. He doesn't play by our rules. He lacks a moral compass. And he also doesn't really pay attention to fairness or, like, what's right or wrong. Because he's a god. He was never raised as a human. He's and above those things. Exactly. And... <laughs> But he does have a strange connection mm. and he feels something with Letta and he, they always like, it's always like italicized or something like the word connection with them. Mm. And I just, I'm curious to see that explored in book two. But it's like a three-way thing now. It is. It does end that I way. I don't know yeah. how I feel about that. But isn't that like part of the appeal of it is like having this godly inhuman figure who doesn't understand human feelings and then you have this very human girl who is very beneath him in every way and yet she brings out 
the humanity in him and she forces him to feel those things yeah i I think she she does it in a few parts you know nothing huge but i mean i'm looking forward to book two hopefully i'm really looking forward to book two no i was just gonna say i feel like you kind of see like his little touch of caring empathy or whatever when um so after she has to enter uh the under mm-hmm. um when she realizes the corruption needs to be healed from the ground up and so she goes there and then she doesn't know until later on like as it's happening that she has to take the corruption into herself and lord under knew all about it and didn't tell her and she's like oh my gosh you're an asshole like why would you not tell me she doesn't say those words but anyways <laughs> I mean- we kind of see his <laughs> empathy or like so like he cares just a smidgen when he like goes to like not comfort her but like tells her okay I'll let you go back up there and like you know go back to your family and like he even lifts her and like like cares for her I know I'm like I'm using that word but like I mean he he heals her every time she has to cut herself first of all yes second of all he his smile softens a lot have you noticed like it will soften for a minute and then it will go back to being cold and cruel yeah and then she'll blink and it'll be gone yes but you're like oh i noticed that i noticed that um there's a softness somewhere in that man uh i mean i do think he cares for her in his own way which is not the human way but no of course in his own way he I mean, she's the only one. She is the only one, people. She's the only one who can see him and talk to him and summon him. She's the only one for him. And as she gets underneath, you know, in the under, or that's what it's called, right? The under. She can touch him. And and, and she's the only one who can go alive. Yeah. Persephone, is that you? <laughs> and can we take a moment? Can we take a moment and look at how lonely Lord Under is? And, like, he imagine so his surprise. Yes. He was so shocked and, like, pleasantly surprised when, like, she fell into his chest. And he's like, oh, we can yeah. touch. Yeah, and he was so proud and happy when, I mean, maybe I'm superimposing those feelings on him, but when she touched the tree and she could hear and see the memories attached to it, he he seemed, at least to me, like a little bit proud, like he could, he, he was able to share that with someone else. Yeah, because like, I feel like, I guess it's a common idea that we think of death as like, like lonely and like cold and sad and. I guess in this instance, you see that it's not. It's full of happy memories and you're living them and, like, you're with the people that you love. Um, but you don't necessarily think that. And I don't think Letta also think, thought that as well. And I liked that she got to see that side of death. How do you feel about the fact that the death realm essentially is a forest? I mean, I thought it was interesting. I think I mean, it is interesting, th- yeah. It's a different way to see death, for sure. I mean, I like it. Plus, especially considering the fact that um, she likes to grow things. I'm like, interesting that the death realm turns out to be a forest. I don't know. <laughs> and the and the forest, she mentions that the forest or the death realm or whatever was morphing for her. Mm-hmm. Changing yeah. for her. And I just want to say that the Lord and the realm are one. So if the realm is changing and morphing, then the men can too. Drink that tea, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I mean, I don't want to put like 
pressure on no of course like, i just think it's important to note these these things. instances and these moments in the story and we are who because we are i feel like they're they're there for a reason and yeah. i don't know what the reason will be like it could just be nothing or it could mean the world we don't know and i think we also need to not just like i guess talk about all the good aspects of it but we also need to recognize that he at the end of the day he still let the corruption go into her and poor girl didn't know anything about it and she thought she was dying and she kind of is gonna die but then she decides to make another bargain with lord under and she's like i will worship you and love you up there if you get the corruption out of me and he's like all right it's gonna hurt and then you know that's where the the story ends which I want to know what's the process to get it out. Right? When he's like, it's going to hurt and it's not going to be pleasant. I'm like, hmm. And it's okay. inside her and it's his and he's got to take it back. I mean, I'm sorry, okay? My adult brain sees sexual subtext in very unfortunate places sometimes. I know. It's, it's really bad. And I really tried to just reel it back in because I know it's a mm-hmm. YA book. Um, but I couldn't. And I'm just ready for book two and not just you know for him to take it out or or put it back in or whatever um just to see what their dynamic will be like in the under king stuff (laughs) everything sounds sexual now i know i know um no but i'm curious to see what their dynamic will be like in the under um because it's just like i feel like books don't really have that like they don't have um the underworld or like they don't really show life after death. And I'm curious to see what it's going to be like in his realm and like on his terms. I'm curious to see that. Yeah, it's just interesting period to see what someone's vision of death is, you know. So can we um, circle back to uh, the interesting three-way thing of <laughs> Rowan, uh, Lord Under, and Leda? Because I yeah. find that very interesting. Uh What's going on there? What do you think is going on there? Because obviously Leta had this connection with Rowan. Like every time they touch, something happens. Like her magic stirs the same way that it stirs when she touches Lord Under. Like there's a lot of parallels in like she'll feel something with Rowan and then she's with Lord Under and she notices how she feels the same thing. So there's something there that I don't quite understand what's going on. I don't understand it either and I'm curious to see how that's going to be handled um, because the spell still connects them because she did the spell um, to reel Rowan back. Um, He was consumed by the corruption and so she had the spell and it's on both their arms and like once they touch it they both can feel each other's emotions or something like that but I feel like she's only, I don't know if this is just me thinking or overthinking at this point, she's never really spent time with Rowan without the corruption you know like he's always had the corruption within him and the corruption comes from lord under so i don't know if that plays anything or if that holds any impact on that that's what i was Um, wondering if if what was answering her was simply the corruption from lord death and once it's removed would she still have a connection with rowan or would it be gone yeah, because we didn't really get to see that. She was basically dying, and then Lord Under took her back. But then at the end, he was in the, the world above, and she was below, and she mentions that she can she's, she feels in her heart. Yeah. She feels but that's But that could be the spell. I don't know. The spell connects them, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, 
I genuinely do not know where this is going to go with the three of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, one of my wild theories about halfway through this book, I was like, could Rowan and Lord Under be the same person somehow, That's somewhere? what I was thinking, Because I was like, I love them both. <laughs> so what do I do? <laughs> I don't think it's ruled out completely. Question mark? I don't think so either. And I, I'm really thinking... That she only connected with the the corruption within him. I don't know. We'll see. We won't know until next year. But that's just that's just a magical connection. We have to acknowledge the fact that they did connect on an emotional level, which is probably more important than the magic. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Okay, I'm gonna say something that's a bit um, it might make you a little grossed out or like not want it. Um, so feel free to delete it. I just wanted to talk about it with you. So. Letta and Rowan, they're cute, and they were what the other needed in this stage of their life, you know, learning to love and be loved. Uh-huh. But I do feel like I'm getting a bit of Tamlin and Feyre vibes. Only, only that she will outgrow him because he won't be able to understand all that she's seen and done in the under. Mm. Um, and he was right for her in book one, and I'm curious to see if it stays the same. I don't know. I think I could see it not necessarily in like a Tamlin way where he he get he becomes an asshole, but in this no, in the way that not. they might not connect anymore if, because I I would understand it if um, Rowan harbors fear for death his whole life, you know, for the mm-hmm. rest of it. Like he doesn't understand it. For him, it was a power that was painful, and he had to carve himself to his death nearly every month you know and bleed for it and like I can understand how that that wouldn't be something he would probably ever want to feel any any sort of sympathy for yeah Uh, but if she has experienced Lord Under (laughs) (laughs) in the under yeah down under (laughs) (laughs) that sounds so dirty if she knows him and, and she talks to him and she she comes to understand him mm-hmm. in some capacity and, and, and sees him with empathy, which I, I mean, she has to because she said she was going to love him from now on. So that might create a disconnect between them that they can't they can't relate on, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm curious because that could open another door for them for their emotional journey but I feel like because they were so love starved and like their story like kind of hit a like a finale of sorts in the sense where like they both recognize their love for one another and like they trust in one another and like they've kind of reached their bliss and like I unless like obviously in the the second book there is emotional trauma there's like you know Rowan is suffering from all that he's done or all that was done to him and then Letta is also suffering with what's going on and like they find a way to come together then I don't know if there's anywhere else for them to go romantically. Like, I feel like they've reached their ultimate happiness in this book. My only question is, say she does end up with Lord Under, what kind of life would that be? Because there is no one there. It's just him. There isn't. You know, like, for for a character like Keturah, for instance, she was dying. So it made sense for her. For her, it was about accepting that it was her time to go. And so when they both... When she goes off into the sunset with Lord Death and you understand that, you know, she's accepting her death at that moment and she's going to die. It makes sense because it was already something that had been kickstarted from before. Here, it's like, well, what kind of life would that be for a 17 year old? You know, like, does she just live in the world under from now on? And like what? I mean, that sounds I mean, I'm sorry, but a little boring. (laughs) 
And it sounds lonely and isolating, of course. Like yes, like I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that for her. So how does that work? Yeah, I I'm, I didn't think that far ahead yet, but I I don't know. And I'm not ruling out Rowan. I love Rowan and I think his character is amazing. I just don't know where they can go from here. And I'm curious to see where Lindale decides to take them because they are a beautiful couple and they've they are written really well. But like there's something about Lord Under and her connection that just like keeps grasping me and keeps like making me turn my head that way because I want to look at them and experience what they're going to go through because I think it's going to be interesting. But I still like Leta and Rowan. I like I don't know. Like you I'm torn. Like I am torn between the two and I don't even know if we're meant to be torn between the two. I don't know if the Lord Under and Leta are meant to be a ship or like a couple that we're supposed to be rooting for at all. I mean, for once it's two people that I'm I'm okay being torn between. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. You know, I do love me the emo boy that like, you know, thinks himself the villain and I do love me the death character, you know, persona per- personification of death characters so yeah of course. I'm, it's a place i'm happy to be in like it could be like tamlin and reese which was not you know difficult to choose i'm not mad at it i'm not mad at it and i feel like whatever the answer is it will make sense and it has to make sense for letta and not for seth and marge unfortunately <laughs> of course and at the end of the day I feel like she's also going through a lot because not only did Rowan take in the corruption, she also took all of it into yes. her. And that's not going to be good for her mentally, I don't think at all. So I feel like a relationship is the last thing on her mind right now. And I think she is going to go where she knows she's loved. And that is with Rowan and her brother and Clover and even Florence. So I don't want her to be alone at all. Did you have anything else for the monster? Um, no, I think we, I talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. Ooh, um, <clears throat> can we talk oh, about gosh. the fact that, um, Mr. Lord Under, um... Is hot? Calls yeah. her mine? Wait, he does? <laughs> oh, girl, you, you girl, <laughs> I got the quote. Read, read it, read it out to me. Oh, well, first of all, let me read you this quote. Um, she's with Lord Under, and, uh, they're casting the spell together. And, and they hold she hands, says, yes. I feel as though I'm undressed past clothes and skin. I've shown him some hidden sp- hidden piece of myself I didn't even know I had. His power on my power, his skin on my skin, his breath on my tr- on my throat. My power matches the cold slither of his shadows. At this moment, we are equal. We are connected. Italicized. I mean, I mean... But anyway, um, so <laughs> the one that I wanted to read was, okay, so she's, she's, she says, I'm not yours. Just because I'm here doesn't mean you have to claim, you have a claim on me. And he says, it doesn't. <laughs> His fingers um, hover just beneath my chin. I jerk my face away and the, and the points of his claws scrape through the air b- besides my throat. He lets his hand drop back, laughing. No, no, you're not mine. At least, dot, 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 not yet. I was like, not yet? (laughs) Not yet? When? Give me a time, a date, a place. When? I will be here. (laughs) I will be prepared. (laughs) I was like, not Uh, yet? (laughs) 
<laughs> if, you see, if you think I didn't see that. But I will say, you looking at your quotes and, like, talking about it, it kind of, like, I, I remember I screenshotted some quotes that I wanted to talk to you about. Because, like, um, Letta, despite herself, she still wants him. And, like, she even uses the word hungered. You know, like she longs for. So I have this one quote. Um, So she's like, if I think hard enough that I've been forced, that I had no choice, that I can push aside the terrible part of me that is glad to be here, my blood at the altar, a promise ready on my tongue, the part of me that has longed and hungered for this, this being like, I guess, Lord Under as well as her powers. But I also have another quote. Like, okay, okay. Are you ready? Because I was already. So, light blooms at my palms and the room is illuminated in a crystalline brilliance. Power. My power. The power I'll have on the next full moon. The Lord Under watches me. And the flare of magic dances in his pale eyes. For just one ruinous moment, I wish he could touch me. I want to feel his cold, clawed hand on my cheek, on my hair. Girl, same. (laughs) And I have one last one. That, like, these are my receipts, you know? Yeah. One last one. Yeah. The shadows thin and the light comes back into the room. This is the last time I'll see him. I'll have no need to summon him again. The realization comes with a tiny pang of sadness that I try very hard to ignore. I noticed that line. I was like, okay, interesting. Interesting. So, I mean, she feels something. Sounds to me like someone who has found some someone she's very happy with, but who's like, but I've made, I've been made aware that I could get even more with it's, this other person. I think yeah, I think she's happy and she's safe with Rowan. She's but she like, feels understood and like. But there's a part of her that she like as we already mentioned, she's an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. We're not getting all the facts. So I feel like because she even mentioned in her own words that she's trying very hard to ignore her sadness or any emotion that she feels towards him, like any positive emotion, we are not getting the full story. We are not getting what she actually feels and also what he feels, Lord Under. We're still getting everything in her perspective. We have no idea what the fuck he's thinking. No. None. We know he has a compassionate heart. I mean, you can't sit here and tell me that he's just cruel. Because he did save a five-year-old boy. And yes, he had to go about it in um, cruel ways. Because death is unfair and will remain so forevermore. And he did save a little girl and her brother. And, you know, carry them through the forest to safety. And he did save him. And, okay, so he's compassionate. (laughs) No, and I feel like we also need to look at, like, we can look at him with, like, our moral compass and our own idea of what humanity is. Yes! It doesn't apply to that to him. No, because death is, like, for him, he also needs to maintain a balance. Like, he can't just, like, you know, have someone survive and, like, there's no repercussion for that. Yeah. So, sadly, because Rowan loved his life so much, not loved his life, but wanted to live as, as much as he did... Sadly, his family had to pay the price, and it wasn't his fault. It was no one's fault, not even Death's. He had to do what he had to do. And same with Letta. She had to give away her magic that was known to be, like, this massive, and it was fabled to be, like, this intense power. She had to give it up to save her brother. And so there has to be a balance. And, like, sad to say, like, sure, Death is a villain for many people, but it's, like, Death is, is just there. You can't really go around it. 
Yes, and I mean, balance is a thing throughout the whole book, even through the magic, because like Clover can't perform the ritual by herself. She needs dark magic to perform yeah. it. So it's like everything needs to even out. So like, yes, he could, he can show compassion for this child, but he can't just, then that can't just have no reper repercussion afterwards. Easy to say that he's cruel and selfish and a villain, but th there's more there. I mean, in the same way that um, the the wound or the, the corruption had to be mended below and above. Exactly. Both. Because those two worlds are one. They are they act as one. Yeah. Look at us. Justice for Lord Under. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's fine, you know, if Leta doesn't want him, um, he can have us. I mean, like I I would honestly not want to share him with you. Like I mean if it like it came down to I mean, it. no offense taken, because I wouldn't want to share him with you either. So Yeah. So like but like, if I have to join the rotation, sadly, I feel like <laughs> join the rotation. I might. I just might. Are you on Wednesdays or am I on Thursdays? <laughs> what in case I mess up my days and I miss my night with him? <laughs> oh my god! I'm not cut out for this reverse harem life. First of all, who the fuck is on Mondays and Tuesdays though? Like, <laughs> who are the other ones? Who the fuck are they? <laughs> and who gets the weekend? That's unfair, yeah, right? That's a privilege. Who the fuck is that bitch? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh god. Um. All right. Are we done? Have I think we we're covered done. everything. We can only lust after Lord Under for as long as we did. Yes, I think. Uh, bottom line, it, it's a very good gothic romance where yeah. um you do have you know the lines that blur between dream person and nature and also world above world below. It kind of all the lines are blurred everywhere, and I just think that that's an interesting book for us since it echoes the whole sentiment that like that we try to talk about in every podcast, which is. The monster and the man are not two separate mm -hmm. things. They are often one, you know. So I just think for that reason, it was a very interesting book to talk about because it is true of these characters. Yes, they're some of them monstrous in, in person. You know, they are becoming more and more monstrous as time goes. But I think deep down, the real monsters are not what they look like. It is what you let control your life, whether it's guilt, whether it's um, your fear of power. You said it really well. Oh, I don't feel like I did, but. <laughs> no, you did, you did. You Thanks did. for the vote of confidence. Um, all right, so uh, if you, well, I mean, first of all, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> If you want to reach us online, we are on Instagram at Romancing the Monsters Podcast. We are also on Twitter at the RTM Pod. TikTok is Romancing the Monsters Pod. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you can also find, no, you can also email us if you want uh, at Romancing the Monsters Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want or need captions or prefer that format, we are also on YouTube. Just search the name of our podcast and we shall come up. Feel free to subscribe on there as well. Uh, if you want to find me, I am on both Twitter and Instagram at Foes and Lovers. And if you want to find me, Seth, on both Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Pros with Woes. And also, please feel free to leave us a rating or review on any of the podcast platforms, whether that's Google, Spotify, 
SoundCloud, Apple, uh, don't know what else, but just feel free to leave us a rating or review. It means a lot to us just seeing that. Um, and yeah, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.